Hello, my name is Jonathan Swift, the content director of Post Magazine and ahead of the 2020 Motor Insurance World Conference in Twickenham, I'm delighted to welcome LV Claims Director Marty Milliner to this, the first Motormouth podcast. Welcome, Martin. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, I hope the Motormouth uh, title is nothing to do with me, much more about what you're going to be doing in Twickenham. Looks like a fantastic agenda, so good luck with that event. Yes, it's, it's just, a, just a bad pun, I'm afraid, Martin. Nothing to do with you whatsoever. Um, can I ask Martin, really just to kick things off, what are the biggest challenges that you see insurers facing in 2020 and beyond? Yeah, 2020 and beyond, it feels like we're... Um, there's a famous quote from Churchill. Uh, he said, the era of procrastination, of half measures, of soothing and baffling expedience, of delays, is coming to its close. In its place, we are entering a period of consequences. And I think 2020 and beyond is absolutely a time of consequences, whether that's Brexit being done, the rise of electric vehicles, autonomous and connected cars, AI actually being part of what we do, chatbots, increasing customer demands and expectations. Wherever you look, there are challenges that we need to embrace and, and uh, obviously deal with as insurers. So Martin, you, you touched on you know, electric vehicles there. I know that 2020 has been touted as the year of the electric car and 2020s as the decade of the electric revolution. How are insurers prepared for this change in, in electric vehicle adoption? Yeah, it's a really good point. <clears throat> I think um, what we're seeing is, uh, whether that be climate change driving the agenda or government, uh, and Boris Johnson in particular, is pledging £1 billion for fast charging points so that everybody will have a, an access to a fast charging point within a 30-minute drive. We will see an ever-increasing avalanche of manufacturers' products uh, coming off the production line. So we have to prepare for that. And the difficulty is understanding how those cars are going to be produced, the composition of the materials they use, the, the repair methods, the parts you need, the data that you get from vehicles. It's, it's an electronomous vehicle. All the time you get an electric vehicle, you kind of get buy one, get one free with an electric vehicle. You get all of the autonomy uh, that comes with it, all the gadgets. So you get autonomous and electric or electronomous vehicles uh, as a consequence. So the models that have been used to buy those vehicles are changing, subscription-based ownership, all of those things are, are, are meaning that a big headache for insurers because they're not like the traditional boxes uh, of metal that we used to, to, to insure or repair. We don't have the data to know how much they're going to cost to repair, how they're going to perform, they're going to be more prone to accidents, less likely to have personal injury accidents. All of those unknowns are things that you know we're having to grapple with. So Martin, I don't know if you're doing uh, veganuary, but I know that there's all this, you know, that's obviously linked with, with environmental concerns. Do you think insurers can convert some of this kind of undercurrent of environmentalism into well-priced green policy for car owners? I think so. Uh, and some of it is just subtle changes in language. If you're asked, do you want a second-hand part or a recycled part to be put on your, your two or three-year-old car, you're probably going to kind of you know, shun that. But if you said, would you like a green part uh, as part of the process, you may you may buy into that. And I think people are becoming more and more aware of the footprint that they have, whether it's the car they choose or the methods by which we can repair. Likewise, if a car is written off, 
the cost of writing those cars off is, is immense, not just in a sense of the cost for, for an indemnity spend perspective, but to the environment. So how can we make cars more repairable, educate repairers, not just about the methodology, but, but how they can actually repair the car, educate manufacturers about the sustainability of those vehicles, think about not just the sales process, but the after sales and the repair process, design out some of those frailties that are in their designs. And as I say, understand from a consumer point of view the opportunities we have. So introducing them perhaps to electric vehicles when it comes to a courtesy car or uh, a hire car, getting them tuned into that uh, next purchase they make, not a combustion engine or a diesel, but introduce them into that, uh, into that new type of motoring. So building on the kind of issue of technology and InsureTech has been a buzzword for a few years now, do you believe this will be or continue to be of serious assistance to motor insurers in 2020 and beyond? I think it has to be. Um, and in 2020 and beyond, in that five-year window, for example, quantum computing is going to come in. That's going to revolutionise how everybody does business. The the power that you're going to have from a quantum computer compared to the traditional um, zero and one type approach to programming will take us to a different level. How we use AI to make... Uh, uh, claims processes or purchases for insurance much more effortless for customers chatbots the data we get from customers how we actually use that for the benefit of consumers rather than perhaps use it as a as a penalty for, insume, for consumers sometimes uh, even down to things like virtual reality goggles being introduced to help people rehabilitate following an accident so you mentioned earlier about the kind of procrastination procrastination I can't, I can't say that word there but um, uh, whiplash reforms I mean it seems that we've been talking about whiplash reforms now for a very long time uh, I think I might have been in short trousers when, when we first started talking about them but obviously you talked about the kind of fact that we're now into the kind of the doing how would you like to see the kind of the end game with whiplash reforms when they're coming into effect yeah whiplash you know for a long time now we've been dubbed the uh, sort of whiplash capital of the world for, for right reasons so um, whatever solution we've had, and it, as you say, this has been ongoing for decades since the last century, in fact, to try and resolve this problem, it won't be a perfect solution, but it's got to be a better solution than we, we have currently. Uh, the Civil Liability Act, you know, the get CLA done kind of mantra that we need, um, will definitely create a different um, dynamic in the market. The money that's been sloshing around in the uh, compensation culture in the past just won't be there um, together with hopefully a more robust approach from the FCA to to uh, enforce good conduct with claims management companies it, it should turn the tide on what has been as I say a, a compensation culture that's driven us to be whiplash capital of the world um, so reducing costs reducing the value of a whiplash claim and changing the dynamics and behaviours. Those are the three things that uh, I think will, will make us turn the corner. And uh, again, we've, we've already talked about the fact that we could be turning a corner with whiplash, we could be turning a corner with electric car adoption. Autonomous vehicles, again, something else you've touched upon. Do you think, uh, you know, where are we with the adoption on this now? And where do you stand on the kind of, you know, the wider subject of autonomous vehicles? I think it's a really difficult subject, uh, very, very complex. Um, the connected car and autonomous vehicle subject um, is something that isn't just something that could be solved by technology. Um, the government <coughs> and highways agencies, for example, 
uh, have probably the biggest part to play in this. To have a safely operating autonomous vehicle, you have to have the road infrastructure to make that possible. So huge investments needed in better, cleaner, more interactive traffic signs, road markings have to be uh, clear and visible at all times for vehicles, the, the verges that, uh, uh, that uh, to the left of the roadsides, how those signs and, and roads are maintained, how roadworks are interacting with, with um, the uh, autonomous vehicles, even down to the very basic things such as surface water drainage. If you don't drain the water off the road, that paralyzes the technology in certain instances. Safe harbour areas, internet connectivity, roundabouts, roundabouts to be or not to be. We're going to ending up having to inherit US-styled road systems to, to adapt to autonomous vehicles. And lastly, how other road users connect to uh, to this technology, whether it's cyclists, pedestrians, horses even, uh, and some of the last mile technology that will be on the road. So electric skateboards or uh, scooters or, or very many other kind of pod type uh, solutions, which no doubt will come through. So while you've got your crystal ball air out there, um, looking at that kind of or, or future for autonomous vehicles, could I ask you, what does the future of motor insurance look like by the end of the decade and what do you think will be the biggest changes? I don't think we will see much change in terms of autonomous vehicles. My personal view is the change in the car park, I reckon maybe by 2050, 50% of the road users will, would have some sort of autonomous vehicle. Uh, <clears throat> but I think in the interim, we've got a little bit of a tussle between what's called sort of level two, three and four autonomy. Um, level three autonomy is kind of in there at the moment. Some of the Mercedes models or Teslas have that sort of assisted driving, but they require you to still have your hands on the on the wheel and potentially uh, to do so when there's something that goes wrong, really, in response to something that goes wrong. That's a quite a difficult hinterland to, for people to be safely to go in. Um, personally, I'd hope we skip that level and, and, and plough on to level four. Um, and hope that the level two uh, and the other technologies that we have with autonomous vehicles means we get lower road deaths, lower serious uh, injuries and create a, a better road system <clears throat> as we go. Uh, I think there will be a change in ownership, as I say, that sort of subscription model ownership, um, more car sharing. We've seen other, uh, other jurisdictions, Italy, for example, have a massive change in their, their model of ownership, whether that's subscription model or shared ownership models. Uh, that'll change the shape of who insures what uh, and how vehicles are, are, are provided to consumers. Um, the uberization of, of some of the transport we have last mile transport whether that would be more investment in in public transport <coughs> leaving you the last mile journey to kind of um, self-serve that that whole solution around mobility as a solution uh, mobility as a service that 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 thing is going to change i think how we uh, need to look at insurance and then finally i think how we really enforce what uh, hopefully will be positive changes that the FCA bring into pricing uh, across whatever we do in insurance to, to engender that trust that has been so far lacking from consumers so we can see insurance not just as a grudge, grudge purchase but as a value and trusted uh, service for, insure, uh, for, for consumers, not, not just as a, uh, a compulsory purchase. So thank you, Martin. You've given us a lot of food for thought there, and I'm sure we'll be covering these topics at Motor Insurance World on the 24th of March at Twickenham Stadium. 
Uh, if the listeners want to attend, then please go to www.motorinsuranceworld.co.uk and sign up. Uh, so thank you, Martin, and I hope you, the listeners, look out for more of these Motormouth podcasts in the future. Cheerio. Cheerio.